welcome. You're listening to the Every Day is a New Day show. I am your host, Kim O'Neill, and this is the show that reminds you we live in a world of infinite possibilities. You are more amazing than you know. You are never alone, and the one with the power has always been you. I speak with awesome guests who have inspiring stories and tools to support you on your journey forward. Every day is always a new day, and your day's looking pretty bright. Hello and welcome. You are listening to another episode of the Every Day is a New Day show, the inspirational interview show about moving forward beyond challenging times. I am your host, Kim O'Neill, and today we are going to be talking with relationship expert, Paula Quincy. I'm so excited to speak with her. She is a TEDx speaker. She is the author of Embracing Conflict, and she's had 16 years in the corporate world as well, or working at organizations such as Standard Bank, NedBank, KFC, and more. And she has so much to share with us that we are just going to go ahead and dive right into it. So hello and welcome, Paula. Hi, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and start off with just the basics. I know I gave, I just touched on a few things from your bio, but will you go ahead and tell the audience who you are and what you do in your words? Absolutely. So as a relationship expert, my area of expertise is working with relationships, uh, both for individuals and organizations. So from an individual perspective, it is relationship with self and then relationship with your partner and or children. And in the workplace, it is relationships in the workplace. So people and team dynamics, leadership traits, uh, emotional skills, conflict management, communication, team dynamics, anything to do with relationships. I love it. I love when you were talking about, on the personal side of things, you were talking about relationship with self. I absolutely love that because I think everything goes back to starting with who we are and then who we show up as and how we connect with others. So that's awesome. So, absolutely. so what is your story? And I like to ask this question because not everyone answers it the same way, but I, I want to ask you, what's your story and how do you respond to that question? So I think my story is what got me to where I am. Uh, I was in a relationship, six and a half year relationship at the time. This was way back in 2006. And we were sitting in a therapist's chair going for therapy and our relationship was rock bottom. And it was our therapist that referred us to Imago relationship therapy. So we went off to, on this, this couple's weekend retreat and I was just, I was blown away at the impact that Imago had on me in terms of understanding who I was, what had influenced me and shaped me to where I was at that point in my life and the relationships that I had forged along the way, both personally and professionally, as well as that uh, relationship that I was in at the time that it was rock bottom. And uh, so it just had such a profound impact on me that I decided there and then that I, I wanted to teach this stuff to other people because life is too short to be miserable, particularly in our relationships, because they should be our biggest source of support and nurturing and care and love. Absolutely. So that was, that was where the journey started. Um, it didn't save my relationship for, for many reasons, but the main reason being that I was blaming my partner for everything that had gone wrong because he had had an affair. 
until, until I had to look in the mirror and go, yes, but how did you co-create the situation that he ended up having an affair? So not, not condoning his behavior, but just owning my contribution in the, in the story that led our relationship get falling to rock bottom and him ultimately having an affair. I love that you said that co-creating that situation because we all take a role in the things that we experience as well. How that must have been pretty challenging to ask yourself that. How did you how did you first respond to that when you started to think, how did I co-create this? Well, to be honest, it took me a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> But at the end of the day, it's absolutely, as you said, it always comes back to self. We always, always have a choice. And it's through the choices that we make that actually put us in the places that we find ourselves. And at the time I was working, I was in the corporate world. I was working a nine to five job and I was studying for my degree part time. And my relationship wasn't a priority. Everything else was. My studies were my priority. And I wasn't paying my partner the attention that he needed from me or my relationship for that matter. And so we ended up drifting apart and ultimately living separate lives. Wow. So essentially you created the, you co-created the conditions for that to become less and less of a priority since you already knew where your top priorities were. Correct, correct. And, and I, at the time, I had received a bursary through the organization that um, I was employed at. And the conditions for the bursary was that you had to pass all the, all the exams and that you couldn't fail anything. Otherwise, you had to pay it back and you had to work the time back. So uh -huh. I was adamant uh, that I wasn't going to fail anything because I didn't want to pay it back and I didn't want to work the time back. And so I made it my priority. And as a result, everything else suffered. That is so key. Where we place our attention, there may be something that falls off the radar that we have to sacrifice or, or, or yeah, just take off, take off our radar. So, wow. Well, tell, will you tell us just a little bit more about Imago Relationship Therapy? I'm not very familiar with that and um, would love to know more. What is that exactly? Sure. So Imago was actually founded by Dr. Harvel Hendricks and his wife, Helen Kelly Lahant, and they are both clinical psychologists and have over 30 years of working with couples and relationships. And so they founded Imago Relationship Therapy, and Imago is the Latin word for picture or image. And it's that pictorial image of love and relationships that we create in our minds, both consciously and subconsciously, based on our primary caregivers and our upbringing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So then, you know, the, the first seven years of a child's life is where our emotional foundation is formed. And thereafter, it's reinforced throughout our lifetime and it plays out in our adult relationships. And we call it childhood wounding. And it's the way that we adapt our, ourselves and our behavior to cope or survive in the environment that we find ourselves in. For example, how we deal with conflict, how we communicate, uh, the invisible walls that we put up around ourselves because we don't want to feel rejected or abandoned or not good enough. All those kind of self-limiting beliefs and perceptions that we have around relationships. And I see you're also a neuro-linguistic neuro practitioner as well. So it sounds like the two of those go, to, go together very well. 
Very much so. So NLP, as you say, is very much around the, the mind and the words or the language that we use. So very simply, you are what you think. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So what you shared with us, the breakup that you had with your, your ex and how that played into your story. Are there any other life lessons that really support you in what you do today and how you're able to serve your clients? Absolutely. Um, you know, I've the relationships have been my biggest, biggest learnings. And they are, in fact, for all of us, particularly on an emotional level. But what it also taught me, particularly in the workplace, is the kind of leadership persona that I wanted to carve for myself. And, and the type of leader that I wanted to be, in other words, a positive, uplifting and inspiring leader versus um, toxic leadership, mm. which is one of the things that I deal with. And I experienced that firsthand in the corporate world. And it just made me realize the kind of leader that I didn't want to be. So, you know, around leadership style. And for me, it's all about relationships at the end of the day. It's how you show up every day and how you co-create what happens in your space. Um, I've also learned a lot of lessons from a sport perspective because I'm quite sporty and active and I participate in, in long distance running. So marathons and ultra marathons. Okay. And I've learned some, some very hard lessons there around, you know, not giving up, persevering, focusing on your goals, uh, sometimes paying the sacrifice to get where you want to go to and achieve the goals that you want. And, uh, and I've applied those in all of those lessons in the work that I do with, with my clients. Nice. Now, beyond the NLP and Imago therapy, what else would you say has helped you to move forward beyond your story? Does anything else come up for you when you think about that? Um, so, definitely in terms of self-belief and, uh, you know, throughout my, my lifetime journey, um, all 46 years of it so far, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've learned I've learned many lessons. So, so, for example, my mom died when I was very young. I was seven years old when she passed away in an accident. Oh and um, so, I, you know, and it happens with a lot of young children that are almost by default forced to grow up overnight and become adults. They become mm -hmm. responsible. And over over time, I've had to learn to to let go of that and to sometimes it's okay to be carefree and spontaneous and to find your your inner child and and play and have fun, which can be challenging for me because I'm I have been far too used to being serious all the time, being responsible. So I've really had to challenge myself to to step into some of those uncomfortable places. But also, you know, in the work environments, um, some of the uh, projects that I had been involved in, in terms of learning when to let go, you know, sometimes you have an idea or a, or a project or that you think is going to work and you pursue it and only to find out that it's not really going to work the way you thought it would work. So how do you, how do you go back and change course and find different options and different ways? There are many, many lessons learned in, in both a professional environment, a sporting environment, as well as from a personal perspective. I can totally relate to that. Yes. Um, I think a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, you know this. Yeah, a lot of kids have to grow up early when certain things happen in their life. So what can you think back to when you were a kid? What's 
what supported you in, in finding that playful playfulness within you and being able to be in the flow more and find more ease with letting go? What, what helps you to get into that space? So it only really started, um, I only really started stretching into that in, in my adulthood. And one of the ways that I did it, which uh, really stands out for me is, is when I turned 40, I actually had a fourth birthday party. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I, I, ordered, I um, organized an ice cream cake and I had party packs and I had, a, we call it a slip and slide. I had a slip and slide and I invited all my friends around and we played kiddies games um, at my 40th party. At, at, your 40, at your 40th birthday party, is that what you said? Correct, yes. Oh, I love that. So you basically, you recreated conditions that you would have been, you may have ex experienced at age four, but you did it where you were presently today well at 40 absolutely. absolutely and you know as they say you're never too old so why not <laughs> absolutely oh that i i can imagine that not only you benefited from that but i bet your guests as well they did so much so that the next day i was getting all these messages and phone calls about all these aches and pains and how stiff everybody <laughs> oh that's great oh that's funny uh well um Gosh, I love that. Man, that has me thinking about doing something like that. Um, wonderful. Well, so let's go a little bit deeper. I, you know, and it's funny because I like to ask questions that I guess that are really deep, and I, but I don't realize it until people tell me. So some of my next questions are going to be a, a little bit deeper here. I would love to know what your values are and how have you set your life up to reflect those values? So I would consider my key values to be trust, honesty, respect, and communication. So trust in that, first of all, trust myself to do the right thing, to behave in the right way, uh, and to, to trust others. So in particular, my, you know, my, my family and my partner and my friends. To be honest with myself, because they say only when you're honest with yourself can you be honest with another. So I, I always give honest advice. I, I always uh, would rather tell you the truth than, than not. And I try and live my life by uh, having integrity, which is key to me. And being respectful of others, first of all, as a human being, because we are that before anything else, before we are black, white, pink, green, male, female, husband, wife, mother, father, we are human beings. So how can we respect each other at a human being level? And then if you've got those three things in place, then there should be a, a safe enough place for real communication to take place. I love how you brought those all back to your relationship with yourself. And I'll be honest, trust, trusting myself is something that I've only started to look at in just the last few years. And prior to that, wasn't something I had ever considered. I think I was, I was at someone's book launch and she was started talking about trusting yourself. And all of a sudden it was a light bulb moment for me and my, my best friend that was with me at the time. And that is so huge. Is that, do you have anything, is there anything extra you'd like to talk about trusting yourself that maybe has come up for you or your clients that's really important to be aware of? 
Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, trusting yourself in terms of that you are enough, that you are capable, that you you have the power within, whether it's to go out there and seek adventure or pursue a career or make a decision or make a choice. But if you trust yourself enough in that you believe in yourself and that you have the best intentions for yourself, even, even if the outcome isn't what you intended, the fact that you tried, that you took a decision that you trusted yourself to make that decision and and then you can always choose to correct the path or the action thereafter if the outcome isn't necessarily what you had imagined or what you were looking for but also trusting yourself that it's okay to try and it's okay to make mistakes that there is no such thing as failure it's only feedback as to what's working or what's not working and what are you choosing to do differently Nice. The thing that also comes up for me when I think about trusting myself is, is about the commitments that we make to ourselves. So if we tell ourselves, okay, I, you know, I'm going to work on this project today, or, you know, I'm going to, my goal for this week is such and such to trust that we are going to honor our own commitments. I think that's what's shown up a lot for me when I think about trusting myself and it, it's, it, it, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been so good for me to actually just think about stuff like that in a new light, knowing that we might promise something to someone else and know we're going to make good on that. But maybe with ourselves, it can be easier to, you know, to say, well, you know, it didn't happen because of this, right? Or I didn't quite get all of that done for whatever other reason or excuse. And um, learning to honor my own commitments to myself has been really huge. I'm making progress. Absolutely. So key. So key at all. Yeah. So let's go a little bigger. What's, what's your perspective on the meaning of life or having a life purpose? For me, it's about my purpose is, is wanting to work with people and leaving a positive impact on people's lives. It doesn't matter how small it might seem or how big it might be. It's just about the, f the fact of leaving someone in a better place than when you first found them. And in little ways, touching people's lives. And I think a lot of the time we look for purpose outside of ourselves instead of within ourselves in that, do you feel good about yourself in that you are doing something positive with your life? Nice. And what, will you, what would you say drives you? Sure, so many things. Um, I've always been a bit of a, an A-type personality, so definitely <laughs> ambitious and driven. And I, I've always looked at pushing myself um, in on all levels, uh, whether it's a sporting level or um, a studies or qualifications or working with, with situations. I've always challenged myself to try and stretch because every opportunity is an opportunity to learn and grow about self about situations and about others and that's that's where our biggest value in life comes from is learning because by learning we grow and and when we grow we move beyond where we were to begin with absolutely and i have some outside outside noises going on over here so if anybody can hear that we've got both rain and there's a siren for the the moment uh, but it'll be gone any second here so Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Would you be able to, now I know people cannot see you, but 
what exercises or processes might you be able to share with our audience just through today's interview? Maybe something they could do on their own at home that would really support them in, in cultivating either a deeper relationship with themselves or with someone in their life. So some of the things that I use with clients when I work with them, um, particularly individuals who feel like they are facing a crossroad in their lives and they, they're not sure which way to go because they are so driven by fear in that moment about what could potentially happen. And so we always start off with, with an exercise where we work with a topic and or, or the situation they're faced with. And I say, right, we're going to start off with what's the worst thing that could happen in, in, in this situation. And we unpack it and we go, go as ridiculously worst case scenario as possible. Okay. And, and we unpack it to, to the extreme. And then we go the other way and we go, okay, well, what's the best thing that can happen in this situation? Best case scenario. And we unpack all the options and we work through all of those options and we write them down and we, we kind of brainstorm them between us. And then uh, the next step in the process is to, to ask the person, okay, so worst case scenario, what do you stand to gain in this situation? And then what do you stand to lose if you chose this path? And then we do the same process on the other side. In the, in the best case scenario, we go, okay, if we took this path, and what do we stand to lose and what do we stand to gain? And we explore both scenarios. And then we do a little bit of a sanity check. And there's two questions that I always ask people to ask themselves to check against. So the first question is, is the world going to stop turning? Probably not. And is someone going to die? Probably not. Now, I know in, in some instances people do die and there are serious situations, but this is, this is in, in the general sense. Is, is the world going to stop turning? Probably not. And is someone going to die? Probably not. Okay, so well, then what's the worst case scenario that's going to happen? And is it really that bad? Because often we conjure up these images of worst case scenario and, and we get stuck in this space and we can't move forward until you almost put this benchmark that you're measuring against to go, well, actually, it's not so bad. So then what's stopping me from trying? And a lot of the time it's just fear. And that fear is the element of the unknown because in situations that we don't have all the answers to, there is always an element of the unknown and they always will be. Absolutely. So it sounds like through asking your questions, your clients gain a lot of clarity. I think they get, they get a lot of clarity, but they also get to see that it's not as big a deal potentially as they had imagined it to be. And that while we've unpacked it into worst case, best case scenarios, it kind of gives them perspective on, okay, well, I can deal with this if this is the worst case situation, and I can deal with this if this is the best case situation. Because the more informed you are, the more prepared you are, the better you can handle decisions and situations. Absolutely. Yes. What about clients who, who are maybe experiencing a level of anxiety and as they're talking about the worst case scenarios, what if that anxiety is increasing? Is there anything extra you might walk them through or, or have them so, do? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So we do a number of 
um, exercises such as breathing. So teaching them breathing exercises. Um, also teach them visualization exercises. So to visualize their ideal outcome and to see themselves actually achieving and accomplishing that outcome. Because when you see yourself doing something, when you actually see it, you start believing it. And when you start believing it, you actually start seeing the possibility and tapping into that inner being of, I can actually do this. So we use a lot of visualization techniques and uh, we work with some colors sometimes as well, colors as in energy, because sometimes when we have a low or a negative energy, it can prevent us from taking a step forward. So I work with energy as well in terms of what does it feel like if it was a, if, if it was a color, what would that color look like? How would it feel? How, how, how would it feel in terms of, is it heavy energy, light energy, playful energy? So we work with energy as well and combine those tools together, depending on, on what the client's situation is and where they're at. It sounds like you are basically creating more of the focus around the possibilities and where they want to focus their their energy versus where they don't want to focus it, which is, goes right back to what we talked about at the beginning with your story, how you were focused on your work versus your relationship and how when we place our focus in one direction or, or another, that's where the energy is going to be enhanced. So you help them to focus their energy in the direction of what they actually desire. And that's fantastic. Absolutely. Atten attention, go um, energy flows where attention goes. Yes. Yes. I love that. Well, we are just going to go ahead and take a short break here. So go ahead and stay right there. We'll be right back with Paula Quincy when we come back. No matter how your life looks today, your possibilities are endless. You deserve all the joy, peace, and excitement in life that you desire. Life doesn't come with a manual, and that's why personal coaching is so awesome. Moving forward is easier. Creating a new reality for yourself, healing your mind and body, it's all possible. Visit KimO'NealCoaching.com today to learn more and schedule your free consultation. What books are you reading? Are you ready for a must-read? Winner of the Inspirational Book of the Year Award and international bestsellers, Dare to Dream, This Life Counts by Debbie Dashinger, as well as the acclaimed Wisdom to Success, The Surefire Secrets to Accomplish All Your Dreams. Buy the books from Amazon today. U.S. Book Review and Writer's Digest said these are critics' picks by Debbie Dashinger, Dare to Dream, and Wisdom to Success contain gems to live your life by. Sometimes we wish we could practically do nothing and still feel better. Guess what? You kind of can. When you schedule a Reiki or guided meditation session, you can just be and receive and allow the energy to shift. There's relief. These energy sessions can be done alone or combined with a coaching session. Find out more at KimO'NealCoaching.com and click on the Energy Work tab. Do you have a published book that never reached its bestseller potential? Are you working on a book or ebook you hope to publish soon? 
Do you have a book locked inside waiting to release your message to the world? Go to mybestsellerbook.com. My Bestseller Book will launch your book to a guaranteed bestseller status. Learn more at mybestsellerbook.com. You are listening to the Every Day is a New Day show. I'm your host, Kim O'Neill, and I'm speaking today with relationship expert Paula Quincy from South Africa. And I'm just, I, I love hearing what she's saying about relationships. She's bringing it all back to our, yourself. That's where all relationships start. And she's provided tips and tools in the first half hour. And I'm going to ask her about some of the some additional things that she's done that um, I think you will like as well. So one thing in particular is she is a consultant on the on South Africa's Married at First Sight television show. Now, I don't know about you, but here in the U.S., I watch that show, and I love it. And so, Paula, I would love to know, how, how did you become a consultant for that show, and what's that been like for you? It was purely by accident to be honest <laughs> i um, happened to see a an article or a press release that had gone out about the show and i got in touch with them to be i had no idea what the show was about i'd never seen it i knew nothing about it but at the time my motivation to get involved was about providing support to the individuals who were going to be participating in the show um, behind the scenes. I had, I had no idea that it was actually a, a on the scenes <laughs> situation. Wow. <laughs> so they, they called me in for an interview. They were looking for a panel of four experts, uh, based pretty much the format is the same in all countries around the world. And so they invited me to participate in season one, which, um, we did. And then we also ran, we've just finished with season two in South Africa and uh, waiting to see if there is going to be a season three. We, we're a bit behind the American uh, Married at First Sight uh, version. I think you guys are on season seven or eight now, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I just found out about it two or three seasons ago, so it's, it feels new to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a, it's been a really interesting um, experience in terms of, first of all, you know, a lot of people – don't understand the concept of, you know, meeting someone for the first time as you walk down the aisle, whereas arranged marriages have been around for decades. So it's not really such a new concept, but I think in modern day world, it, it is a fairly new concept, which is why some people grapple with it. Some of the challenges that we've had with the South African market versus overseas markets is our cultural dynamics is very different to overseas countries. So we've had to really struggle with that and try to find the, 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 the matches in terms of cultural nuances. Oh. So that's been, that's been a struggle for us, um, particularly from traditional cultural aspects and uh, faiths and religions. So we're still, we're still working on trying to get that process right. Uh, but it has taught me a lot as well in terms of science and working with science behind the relationship uh, instead of just you like the olden days where it was uh, back in the days of the medieval where you just, you know, the prince married the, the, the girl next door to keep the kingdom going. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, have you noticed any similarities between the participants 
who are going on this show, I mean, I imagine they all have something in common. Clearly they all are, have a desire to get married and they're all open to meeting someone right there on the spot and being part of an arranged marriage. But have you noticed anything beyond that? I think we've sort of identified three three key things in terms of the people, the type of people that sign up for these shows. Okay. The first lot are the category that we call they want to be the next reality TV star, which is ah. why they sign up for it. Then you get those that really do want to find someone, but they have very little uh, social skills, so to say, you know, they're more introverted and don't really go out. And so don't really have those people skills or not really adequate people skills in terms of going out and meeting people and, you know, really engaging with people on a social level. So they've got to do a lot of work on self before they can really get into the process. Wow. And then the third, the third lot are those that genuinely do feel that they've tried everything to find love and haven't been successful and are willing to leave it up to the experts to find them there happily ever after. Wow. Have you guys been able to, I haven't seen any episodes of the South Africa version. Have, have you guys been able to spot the people who just want reality star fame prior to, to taping episodes? Or is that filtrated into what gets filmed and who gets paired up? We generally, because of the process involved, there's, there's an 11 step screening process. So generally we do, we do see them and identify them um, before it, we start shooting the, the episodes. So it's uh, really has been interesting to, to try and see, you know, the, the real people, the real ones that genuinely want to be involved in this process and genuinely want to do the work. Yeah. Well, that, wow. 11 step process. That's intense, but that's really good to know that you guys are putting that much effort into screening them. That's awesome. Well, we have to, because, you know, this is, these are people's lives that we're playing with and they are putting so much trust in us as the experts to yeah. find them the perfect match. So we have to, from an integrity and an ethical perspective. Absolutely. Now I'm going to ask this next question and part of me is questioning if I should ask it, but I'm going to ask it. Um, it sounds like the easy lot of people to be chosen for the show are the people who have already done some of their inner work and really want to find a mate and, and that sort of stuff. The people in that other group though, who maybe don't quite have those relationship skills, is it, are they, are they less likely or equally likely to be selected for the show? They probably have an equal chance of being selected. However, because of the, the system and the assessments that we use, we, we use a number of psychometric assessments and evaluations. When we match them, we know where the conflict or where the issues and the challenges are going to arise. So for example, dealing with conflict. If you have a, 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 someone that's very much an introvert, it's not gonna be easy for them to deal with conflict. And because of the way the, the show is done in the format, it is a hugely intense environment to be in for, for six to eight weeks. Because you, from the minute you agree to be matched, you have TV cameras in your face 24-7. So if you have someone that doesn't know how to deal with those kinds of situations and they have high stress and high anxiety, it is just going to add a complexity to the relationship that is already a stressful situation. 
Yeah, I, I bet. That's a lot. Do you guys do any sort of, um, do you, do you put them through some sort of practice, you know, run through here for three days, we're going to have TVs in your cam or cameras in your face, um, just to see how you would respond on a live show. Do, do you guys do anything like that? They don't, unfortunately. And I think it's purely just from a filming schedule and a timing perspective. Okay. Uh, they don't. We, we do, as I said, as part of the 11-step process, we do make it very clear that they know exactly what they're getting into. And at any point up until that, that last moment, they have the option to opt out if they want. Wow. But they do know they are very much aware that it is a legally binding marriage that they are signing up for. Wow. Okay, so for those people who, who don't quite, you know, don't have as fluid of interpersonal skills just yet, but maybe they're really eager, they are looking for help, um, what, what tips can you share with them, you know, to, to help get them more ready for the show and increase their chances of being selected? You definitely have to do some some kind of self work. You know, you have to know who you are. You have to know what it is that you are looking for in a life partner. And a lot of the times, people will just look at the superficial stuff. For example, the looks and you know, how what their career aspirations are, or and or financial standing. When in fact, it goes much deeper than that. You need to consider things such as values, uh, religion or culture, spirituality, hobbies and interests, career aspirations, how they manage money, uh, do they want a family and children, um, you know, what their, how they deal with conflicts, what your relationship deal breakers are. Uh, it really does go a lot deeper than that. So we try and, and get them to do a lot of work on themselves first. Because the clearer you are on what you want and what you're looking for in a partner, the more you will be able to recognize it when it shows up on your doorstep. And if you're very clear on what you want, you will also put boundaries down that you won't then attract the, the wrong kinds of relationships or people to you because you'll be walking your own truth. You'll be true to yourself. I love that. Yes. The importance of boundaries. I remember years ago when I was, was dating a lot and um, learning about myself and about what I wanted. I remember noticing there was this pattern where, you know, let's say over a period of a year or two, you know, just as a regular thing, oh, I'm dating, I'm trying to find someone new. And I noticed at the beginning of that, that period, I was, I kept having uh, what, basically resulted in, you know, funny dating stories. Oh my gosh, I met this person and this outrageous thing happened. And then he said this, and then this happened and oh my gosh, and that's it. We're not going to see each other anymore. And I was just compiling dating story after dating story after dating story story. But the more that that happened and I learned from each of those experiences, then I noticed that fewer and fewer of those kinds of situations occurred because I was starting to meet people who you know, had certain criteria that I really wanted that I hadn't known to even look for in the first, you know, people that I had gone on dates with. So it was nice to see how things could easily transform over time from, oh my goodness, I can't believe this just happened on a date to all of a sudden, this person's fantastic, but yet we're just not right for each other. <laughs> and, and that's exactly it. If you know what you're looking for, you'll know when, when, 
the wrong person is front is in front of you versus when there's potential for it to be the right person. Yeah. Wow. So what other projects are you working on? Or is there anything you'd like to share with our audience of what they could look out for what you're doing next? So I run a men's and a woman's program, which is a personal growth and transformation program. The men's program is called the Man Cave Mastermind Program. And the women's program is called the Womenology Masterclass. Up until now, they've been run in a, in a masterclass group format. And I'm about to put them or launch them online in an e-learning format. So people can sign up in the individual capacity and they can do the course online. And, and personal relationships is one of those modules that we do in the program that will help you understand some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Nice. So are those programs centered around, I guess, your, your relationship with yourself, but also your relationship with others? Is that? So the program has six, six themes or modules that, that we work with. The first one is values. Then it is personal relationships, working relationships, goals, work-life balance, leadership and mentorship traits, and then also functioning on autopilot. Mm. Nice. I like that. And where can people find out more about that? Either of They those. are available on my, on my website, paulaquincy.com, under workshops. Okay. Wonderful. So, Paula... What's advice that you have for someone? What advice could you give for someone who'd like to move in the direction of your line of work? So in terms of coaching, because uh, that's part of what I do and, and working with people, I think it would be, first of all, and identify where does your passion lie? Is it working with children? Is it working with women? Is it working with elderly people or senior citizens? And, and once you know where, which, in, which sort of field you want to work with, to then go and pursue skills to help you work in that field. Uh, some consulting skills would also help. Uh, facilitation skills in terms of you're facilitating sessions and workshops and, and groups and stuff like that. So I think it's first of all really understanding where your passion or your interest lies which target market or niche area and then equipping yourself with the necessary skills, tools and insights to help you to be competent in that area and add value. And do you have a favorite website or online resource that you like to use that maybe our guests would like to know about as well? Or well, my, my main one, I think, which is very common, everyone uses it. It's Google. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, um, there's a couple that uh, I really do enjoy. Uh, the one is, um, it's probably more of, um, it's, uh, it's probably more of a, it's for actually for credited um, coaches. So you have to have access and a password to access the stuff, unfortunately. So it's not really available to the general public. Okay. But it's called, it's called um, the Coach's Toolbox. Oh, yes. I think I've, I've been there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good one. I like that. 
Great one. Okay, and that's the one that I really use a lot because there's a lot of free resources on on that website. Um, but any anything, I, I really, I honestly Google a lot of my stuff, and there's so much information that comes up for you depending on really what it is that you're, that you're looking for. Yeah, that's actually become a question for me sometimes. It's like, wait, before I ask someone else something, or when someone asks me something, I think, wait. Have they Googled that first? Why are they asking me? They can just Google that and find the answer. <laughs> um, and then same for me. I have to catch myself. Wait a second. Have I, you know, checked to see if the answer is readily available on Google yet? So, yeah, that's a good one. And Paula, so I'm just going to take it slightly in a different direction. What's something unique or quirky about you that you can tell us? Other than that you had a fourth birthday party at your 40th birthday party, which I love. Um, is there anything else unique or quirky you can tell us about you? So if you were talking to, to my running friends, um, because I'm a runner, and especially here in South Africa after it's rained, and if we are out running, uh, if we happen to run past puddles, I will actually stomp in the puddles and I will wait everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, and on that note, I see here that you have climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and you've hiked the Inca Trail. Yes. What, what was that like? Sure. Uh, both extraordinary, ex extraordinary experiences. I would highly recommend them. Mount Kilimanjaro taught me so much about perseverance and to keep going, especially on that last night when you summit, because you start climbing the last bit at 11 o'clock at night so that you can reach the, the highest point at around 6am to watch the sunrise over Africa. Wow. It's absolutely spectacular. But the, the night that we happened to climb that last section, it started uh, raining and it turned into sleet and actually started snowing. And I've never been so cold in all my life. And did you guys have, have the proper jackets for it? And it or we, we did, but I think um, probably not warm enough. We, did, uh, we obviously weren't expecting snow. Okay. Uh, I just... Remember, I had three pairs of socks on inside my boots and my feet were frozen. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Well, I, so we have a few more minutes and I would love to know, what was your experience like doing a TEDx talk? It's funny, it was probably one of the times that I was the most nervous. Generally, I can get up and talk in front of crowds and I, I really don't have a problem. I mean, I, I regularly appear uh, on TV and in the media and you would think that, you know, having had that, that exposure, it would be okay. But for some reason, TED Talks, uh, I was very nervous and, and I always think that everybody can see it when you watch my talk. But it was an amazing um, dream come true because one of my dreams and goals that I had set for myself was to, to be on a TED Talk. I've been on a TEDx, which is the baby version of TED, so I'm hoping to still make it to, to the big talks, which is TED Talks, but it definitely gave me a lot of insight, and I met a lot of amazing people who we are still friends today, just because we happen to meet each other and speak at the same event. That's wonderful. Yeah, that is, that's one of my goals as well. Congratulations on your TEDx talk, and fingers <laughs> crossed for, for making it to the big, the big stage as well. Thank you. Well, it, I, yeah, I, let's go back to relationships. What, when two people are, um, well, just tough conversations. That's basically what I want to talk on. What, what guidance or insight can you provide for people who are 
in the space of knowing they have to have a difficult conversation with someone they love and maybe they're scared out of their mind, but they care about the relationship and they just, you know, they know this conversation needs to take place and they don't know how to go about it. Do you have any insight or support for someone in that situation? So the first thing is about creating a safe space and the space between you and the other person. That's where the relationship lives, in between. And it's what you bring into that space that will ultimately determine the quality and the health of the conversation and the relationship. So in order to create a safe space, you have to be very aware of how you're showing up. So in other words, are you showing up angry? Are you showing up emotional? Or can you find a calm place within yourself to calmly have a conversation around what it is that you want to discuss. And three tips that you could use is, first of all, always talk from self. So I feel this, or I need this, or I would like that, as opposed to you did this, you did that. Because when we use the you word, we're playing in the blame game space. And it's easier to push the blame onto someone else so that we don't have to take responsibility for our own part in, in the process. And also you can't mind read, so you don't know what the other person is thinking or feeling, but you know how you are thinking or feeling, and that's where the I comes into it. So I feel, I need, I would like. There's one key magic sentence you can ask, which is, tell me more. Whenever you ask someone to tell me more, it invites them to go to a deeper level every time and to really get to the essence of what's going on for them. And um, the next... Yep. No, no, keep going. I love that. And then thirdly, listening. There's a very, very big difference between listening and hearing. Often we listen to respond when we really need to listen to really hear where the other person is coming from and to hold that space for them, that they can be completely honest and say what it is that is upsetting them or that they are needing from, from you instead. I love that you said, tell me more, because I think uh, when we're having heated conversations with someone or a conversation that may be pushing our buttons, it can be so easy for us to have knee-jerk reactions or to jump to conclusions, but if we can just pause and allow ourselves to hear more about where the other person is coming from, that I think eventually we can start to learn more about what's going on within that person we care about that maybe the key or the answer to resolving whatever's going on. So I love that that's one of the steps you mentioned. Yeah, it's a, it really is a safe way of inviting that person to go deeper within themselves and to, to really explore what's going on for them. Yeah. So Paula, we're getting down to the last few minutes of our show. And I would like to ask you, what are some of, you know, what's, what's going on next for you? I know you have these two programs coming up, but are there other goals that you're looking towards, whether it be for this year or maybe the next decade, you know, what's, what's next for you? Cause you've got so much going on and it's exciting to hear what you've already done. What, what are you moving towards? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm busy. I've done the framework for my next book. So I'd love to publish my second book. And the first one was called Embracing Conflict, and this one is going to be called Embracing No. So how to say no and be okay with that and not feel guilty or anything along those lines, which a lot of us battle with. Yes. And 
I've got some other programs that I've got that I would love to develop, uh, both in the personal and the organizational space around having, I call them courageous conversations. And it's those tough talks or those tough dialogues around some very real situations that we are facing here in South Africa, such as transformation and racism and bullying and uh, toxic, toxic leadership and toxic relationships, toxic environments as well. Those subjects are going on around the world, so it's not just South Africa. <laughs> yeah, it's <that's>, true. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So, and you mentioned your website earlier, paulaquincy.com. And um, is that the best way to get in contact with you? Or did you have anything else you'd like to share of how people can connect with you? Uh, my website, or you can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Paula Quincy, on Facebook, Paula Quincy Relationship Expert. I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn. So wherever you are most comfortable to get in touch, please do. I'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. And for anybody who's not sure how to spell that, it's P-A-U-L-A-Q-U-I-N-S-E-E, -E, paulaquincy.com. And thank you so much for being here today, Paula. This was great talking with you and hearing all the relationship advice and insight you have for the audience today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone who's listened in today. If you enjoyed this show, we are on bbsradio.com every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I also do live shows on Facebook on my page at Kim O'Neill Coaching. So I invite you to check me out and connect with me there as well. I love doing these shows and I love being able to support you on your journey forward as well. So to find out more about me, you can go to KimO'NeillCoaching.com and O'Neill is O-N-E-I-L-L. -L. Thank you so much for being here today. And I want you to know that every day is always a new day. Wherever you are today, is not where you have to be tomorrow. Always remember that. Have a wonderful day, and until next time, bye for now.